How's it going? Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Hello. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of the Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for our online edition, you'll see the link to read the Course in Miracles OE. Also on that web page, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to have both the daily text reading and the lessons of the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we begin a new chapter, Chapter 8, The Journey Back. Today we'll be reading Section 1, Introduction, Section 2, The Direction of the Curriculum, and Section 3, The Rationale for Choice. We're also mindful of our lesson today, which is Review Lesson 88, covering the two lessons, Lesson 75, The Light Has Come, and Lesson 76, I Am Under No Laws But God's. And a short opening today, um, a very short opening today, in light of the amount of reading and the clarity of our lesson. From John of the Cross, in his work, Dark Night of the Soul, he writes, a person who can see a little bit will resist guidance. A person who cannot see at all will stretch forth their hands and be led to unknown places where they don't know how to go. The light has come. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Very profound. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Thank you. Says it all in a tiny little bit, huh? Um, okay, my friends, here's our reading list. We have Fran, Harrison, Lemoyne, Karen, and Robin Marie. We're joined in listening this morning by Kristen and Judy. Does anyone else join? Would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning. Um, Jessica's here and I can read. Oh, great. Thanks, Jessica. Okay. So three sections. I think we'll proceed just paragraph by paragraph as we always do. And uh, when it comes to that point, please include the section title. If uh, that includes your paragraphs, okay? So here we go in Chapter 8, The Journey Back, Section 1, Introduction. You are hampered in your progress by your demands to know what you do not know. This is actually a way of holding on to deprivation. You cannot reasonably object to following instructions in a course for knowing on the grounds that you do not know. The need for the course is implicit in your objection. Knowledge is not the motivation for learning this course. Peace is. As the prerequisite for knowledge, peace must be learned. This is only because those who are in conflict are not peaceful, and peace is the condition of knowledge, because it is the condition 
of the kingdom. Friend. The journey back. One, introduction. You are not hampered in your progress by your demand to know what you do not know. This is actually a way of holding on to deprivation. You cannot reasonably object to following instructions in a course for knowing on the grounds that you do not know. The need for the course is implicit in your objection. Knowledge is not the motivation for learning this course. Peace is. As the prerequisite for knowledge, peace must be learned. This is only because those who are in conflict are not peaceful. And peace is the condition of knowledge because it is the condition of the kingdom. Two, knowledge will be restored when you meet its conditions. This is not a bargain made by God who makes no bargains. It is merely the result of your misuse of his law on behalf of a will that is not his. Knowledge is his will. If you are opposing his will, how can you have knowledge? I have told you what knowledge offers you, but it is clear that you do not regard this as wholly desirable. If you did, you would hardly be willing to throw it away so readily when the ego asks for your allegiance. The distraction of the ego seems to interfere with your learning, but the ego has no power to distract you unless you give it the power. Thank you, Fran. And Harrison. Two, knowledge will be restored when you meet its conditions. This is not a bargain made by God who makes no bargains. It is merely the result of your misuse of his laws on behalf of a will that is not his. Knowledge is his will. If you are opposing his will, how can you have knowledge? I have told you what knowledge offers you, but it is clear that you do not regard this as wholly desirable. If you did, you would hardly be willing to throw it away so readily when the ego asks for your allegiance. The distraction of the ego seems to interfere with your learning, but the ego has no power to distract you unless you give it the power. Three, the ego's voice is and hallucination. You cannot expect it to say, quote, I am not real, unquote. Hallucinations are inaccurate perceptions of reality. Yet, you are not asked to dispel them alone. 
you are merely asked to evaluate them in terms of their results to you. If you do not want them on the basis of loss of peace, they will be removed from your mind for you. Every response to the ego is a call to war, and war does deprive you of peace. Yet in this war, there is no opponent. This is the reinterpretation of reality which you must make to secure peace and the only one you need ever make. Thank you, Harrison. And for more. The ego's voice is an hallucination. You cannot expect it to say, I am not real. Hallucinations are inaccurate perceptions of reality, yet you are not asked to dispel them alone. You are merely asked to evaluate them in terms of their results to you. If you do not want them on the basis of loss of peace, they will be removed from your mind for you. Every response to the ego is a call to war, and war does deprive you of peace. Yet in this war, there is no opponent. This is the reinterpretation of reality, which you must make to secure peace, and the only one you need ever make. The Direction of the Curriculum Those whom you perceive as opponents are part of your peace, which you are giving up by attacking them. Those whom you perceive as opponents are part of your peace, which you are giving up by attacking them. How can you have what you give up? You share to have, but you do not give it up yourself. When you give up peace, you are excluding yourself from it. This is a condition which is so alien to the kingdom that you cannot understand the state which prevails within it. Your past learning must have taught you the wrong thing simply because it has not made you happy. On this basis alone, its value should be questioned. Thank you, LeMoyne. And Karen? Section 3, the direction of the curriculum. Or, those whom you perceive as opponents are part of your peace which you are giving up by attacking them. How can you have what you give up? You share to have, but you do not give it up yourself. 
When you give up peace, you are excluding yourself from it. This is a condition which is so alien to the kingdom that you cannot understand the state which prevails within it. Your past learning must have taught you the wrong things simply because it has not made you happy. On this basis alone, its value should be questioned. Five, if learning aims to change, and that is always its purpose, are you satisfied with the changes your learning has brought you? Dissatisfaction with learning outcomes must be a sign of learning failure, since it means that you did not get what you want. The curriculum of the atonement is the opposite of the curriculum curriculum you have established for yourselves, but so is its outcome. If the outcome of yours has made you unhappy, and if you want a different one, a change in the curriculum is obviously necessary. Thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie. Five. <clears throat> if learning aims at change, and that is always its purpose, are you satisfied with the changes your learning has brought you? This satisfaction with learning outcomes must be a sign of learning failure, since it means that you did not get what you want. The curriculum of the atonement is the opposite of the curriculum you have established for yourselves, but so is its outcome. If the outcome of yours has made you unhappy, and if you want a different one, a change in the curriculum is obviously necessary. Six, the first change that must be introduced is a change in direction. A meaningful curriculum cannot be inconsistent. If it is planned by two teachers, each believing in diametrically opposed ideas, it cannot be integrated. If it is carried out by these two teachers simultaneously, each one merely interferes with the other. This leads to fluctuation, but not to change. The volatile have no direction. They cannot choose one because they cannot relinquish the other, even if the other does not exist. Their conflicted curriculum teaches them all directions exist and gives them no rationale for choice. Thank you, Robin Marie and Jessica. Thank you. <clears throat> Paragraph six. The first change that must be introduced is a change in direction. A meaningful curriculum cannot be inconsistent. If it is planned by two teachers, each believing in diametrically opposed ideas, it cannot be integrated. If it is carried out by these two teachers simultaneously, each one merely interferes with the other. 
This leads to fluctuation, but not to change. The volatile have no direction. They cannot choose one because they cannot relinquish the other, even if the other does not exist. Their conflicted curriculum teaches them all directions exist and gives them no rationale for choice. Seven, the total senselessness of such a curriculum must be fully recognized before a real change in direction becomes possible. You cannot learn simultaneously from two teachers who are in total disagreement about everything. Their joint curriculum represents an impossible learning task. They are teaching you entirely different things in entirely different ways, which might be possible except for the crucial fact that both are teaching you about yourself. Your reality is unaffected by both, but if you listen to both, your mind will be split about what your reality is. Thank you, Jessica. And is there a new reader for seven, section title, and eight? This is Sandra. I can read. Thanks, Sandra. Seven. The total senselessness of such a curriculum must be fully recognized before a real change in direction becomes possible. You cannot learn simultaneously from two teachers who are in total disagreement about everything. Their joint curriculum presents an impossible learning task. They are teaching you entirely different things in entirely different ways, which might be possible except for the crucial fact that both are teaching you about yourself. Your reality is unaffected by both. But if you listen to both, your mind will be split about what your reality is. Chapter 8, The Journey Back. Part 3, The Rational for Choice. 8. There is a, rational, there is a rationale for choice. Only one teacher knows what your reality is. If learning that is the purpose of the curriculum, you must learn it of him. The ego does not know what it is trying to teach. It is trying to teach you what you are without what you are without knowing it is trying to teach you what you are without knowing it. The ego is expert only in confusion. It does not understand anything else. As a teacher, then, it is totally confused and totally confusing. Even if you could disregard the Holy Spirit entirely, which is quite impossible, you could learn nothing from the ego because the ego knows nothing. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader for 8 and 9? Uh, we're in Chapter 8, Section 3, Paragraph 8 and 9. Okay, back to you, Fran. Mary, I can do it, Jude. I can do it. Oh, thanks, Judy. The Journey Back, 
the rationale for choice. There is a rationale for choice. Only one teacher knows what your reality is. If learning that is the purpose of the curriculum, if learning that is the purpose of the curriculum, you must learn it of him. The ego does not know what it is trying to teach. It is trying to teach you what you are without knowing it. The ego is expert only in confusion. It does not understand anything else. As a teacher, then, it is totally confused and totally confusing. If you, if you could disregard the Holy Spirit entirely, which is quite impossible, you could learn nothing from the ego because the ego knows nothing. Is there any possible reason for choosing a teacher such as this? Does the total disregard of anything it teaches make anything but sense? Is this the teacher to whom a son of God should turn to find himself? The ego has never given you a sensible answer to anything. Simply on the grounds of your own, experience with the ego's teaching, should not this alone disqualify it as your future teacher? Yet the ego has done more harm to your learning than this alone. Learning is joyful if it leads you along your natural path and facilitates the development of what you have. When you are taught against your nature. However, you will lose by your learning because your learning will imprison you. Your will is in your nature and therefore cannot go against it. Thank you, Judy. Um, Would there be another new reader then for 9 and 10? Okay, Fran. Hi. <clears throat> Is there any possible reason for choosing a teacher such as this? Does the total disregard of anything it teaches make anything but sense? Is this the teacher to whom a son of God should turn to find himself? The ego has never given you a sensible answer to anything. Simply on the grounds of your own experience with the ego's teaching, should not this alone disqualify it as your future teacher? Yet the ego has done more harm to your learning than this alone. Learning is joyful if it leads you along your natural path and facilitates the development of what you have. When you are taught against your nature, however, you will lose by your learning because your learning will imprison you. Your will is in your nature and therefore cannot go against it. Ten, the ego cannot teach you anything as long as your will is free because you will not listen to it. It is not your will to be imprisoned because your will is free. That is why the ego is the denial of free will. 
It is never God who coerces you because he shares his will with you. His voice teaches only his will. But that is not the Holy Spirit's lesson because that is what you are. The lesson is that your will and God's cannot be out of accord because they are one. This is the undoing of everything the ego tries to teach. It is not then only the direction of the curriculum which must be conflicted, but also the content. Thank you, Fran. And Harrison. Sam, the ego cannot teach you anything as long as your will is free because you will not listen to it. It is not your will to be in prison because your will is free. That is why the ego is the denial of free will. It is never God who coerces you because he shares his will with you. His voice teaches only his will. But that is not the Holy Spirit's lesson because that is what you are <clears throat> the lesson that your the lesson is that your will and God's cannot be out of accord because they are one. This is the undoing of everything the ego tries to teach. It is not then only the direction of the curriculum which must be unconflicted, but also the content. I love it. The ego wants to teach you that you want to oppose God's will. This unnatural lesson cannot be learned. But the attempt to learn it is a violation of your own freedom and makes you afraid of your will because it is free. The Holy Spirit opposes any imprisoning of the will of a son of God. Knowing that the will of the Son is the Father's. The Holy Spirit leads you steadily along the path of freedom, teaching you how to disregard or look beyond everything that would hold you back. Thank you, Harrison and Lemoyne.
the ego wants to teach you that you want to oppose God's will. This unnatural lesson cannot be learned, but the attempt to learn it is a violation of your own freedom and makes you afraid of your will because it is free. The Holy Spirit opposes any imprisoning of the will of a son of God, knowing that the will of the son is the father's. The Holy Spirit leads you steadily along the path of freedom, teaching you how to disregard or look beyond everything that would hold you back. We said before that the Holy Spirit teaches you the difference between pain and joy. That is the same as saying that he teaches you the difference between imprisonment and freedom. You cannot make this distinction without him. That is because you have taught yourself that imprisonment is freedom. Believing them to be the same, how can you tell them apart? Can you ask the part of your mind that taught you to believe they are the same to teach you the difference between them? Thank you, LeMoyne. And Karen? Well, we have said before that the Holy Spirit teaches you the difference between pain and joy. That is the same as saying that he teaches you the difference between imprisonment and freedom. You cannot make this distinction without him. That is because you have taught yourself that imprisonment is freedom. Believing them to be the same, how can you tell them apart? Can you ask the part of your mind that taught you to believe they are the same to teach you the difference between them? 13. The Holy Spirit's teaching takes only one direction and has only one goal. His direction is freedom and his goal is God. Yet he cannot conceive of God without you because it is not God's will to be without you. When you have learned that your will is God's, you could no more will to be without him than he could will to be without you. This is freedom, and this is joy. Deny yourself this, and you are denying God. His kingdom you are denying God his kingdom because he created you for this. Sorry. Deny yourself this, and you are denying God his kingdom because he created you for this. When we said, quote, all power and glory are yours because the kingdom is his, unquote, this is what we meant. Thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie. Thirteen. 
The Holy Spirit's teaching takes only one direction and has only one goal. His direction is freedom, and his goal is God. Yet he cannot conceive of God without you, because it is not God's will to be without you. When you have learned that your will is God's, you could no more will to be without him than he could will to be without you. This is freedom and this is joy. Deny yourself this and you are denying God his kingdom because he created you for this. When we said, quote, all power and glory are yours because the kingdom is his, unquote, this is what we meant. 14. The will of God is without limit, and all power and glory lie within it. It is boundless in strength and in love and in peace. It has no boundaries because its extension is unlimited, and it encompasses all things because it created all things By creating all things, it made them part of itself. You are the will of God because this is how you were created. Because your creator creates only like himself, you are like him. You are part of him who is all power and glory and are therefore as unlimited as he is. Thank you, Robin Marie and Jessica. 14. The will of God is without limit, and all power and glory lie within it. It is boundless in strength and in love and in peace. It has no boundaries because its extension is unlimited. And it encompasses all things because it created all things. By creating all things, it made them part of itself. You are the will of God because this is how you were created. Because your creator creates only like himself, you are like him. You are part of him who is all-powerful and glory, sorry, you are part of him who is all power and glory and are therefore as unlimited as he is. Fifteen. So what else except all power and glory can the Holy Spirit appeal to restore God's kingdom? His appeal then is merely to what the kingdom is and for its own acknowledgement of what it is. When you acknowledge this, you bring the acknowledgement automatically to everyone because you have acknowledged everyone. By your recognition, you awaken theirs, and through theirs, yours is extended. Awakening runs easily and gladly through the kingdom in answer to the call of God. This 
is the natural response of every son of God to the voice of his creator because it is the voice for his creations and for his own extension. Thank you, Jessica. Um, and Sandra. To what, to what else except all power and glory can the Holy Spirit appeal to restore God's kingdom? His appeal, then, is merely to what the kingdom is and for its own acknowledgement of what it is. When you acknowledge this, you bring the acknowledgement automatically to everyone because you have acknowledged everyone. By your recognition, you awaken theirs, and through theirs, yours is extended. Awakening runs easily and gladly through the kingdom in answer to the call of God. This is the natural response of every son of God to the voice of the Creator, because it is the voice for his creation and for his own extension. Amen. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Sandra. And thank you, everyone, who read this morning um, on this journey back. I think I'd like to touch a few ideas in summary. You are hampered in your progress by your demands to know what you do not know. This is actually a way of holding on to deprivation. Knowledge is not the motivation for learning this course. Peace is. As the prerequisite for knowledge, peace must be learned. And peace is the condition of knowledge because it is the condition of the kingdom. Knowledge will be restored when you meet its conditions. Knowledge is God's will. If you are opposing his will, how can you have knowledge? On this journey, the ego has no power to distract you unless you give it the power. The ego's voice is an hallucination. You are merely asked to evaluate this voice in terms of their results to you. If you do not want them on the basis of loss of peace, they will be removed from your mind for you. In this seeming war, there is no opponent. And this is the reinterpretation of reality which you must make to secure peace and the only one you need ever make. As for the direction of the curriculum, those whom you perceive as opponents are part of your peace, which you give up by attacking them. How can you have what you give up? You share to have, but you do not give it up yourself. When you give up peace, you are excluding yourself from it. Your past learning has taught you the wrong thing simply because it has not made you happy. On this basis alone, its value should be questioned. In paragraph 5, the curriculum of the atonement is the opposite of the curriculum you have established for yourselves, but so is its outcome. If the outcome of yours has made you unhappy, and if you want a different one, a change in the curriculum is obviously necessary. The first change that must be introduced is a change in direction. The volatile have no direction. They cannot choose one because they cannot relinquish the other. 
even if the other one does not exist. And he wants us to know you cannot learn simultaneously from two teachers who are in total disagreement about everything. And if you listen to both, your mind will be split about what your reality is. And so there's a rationale for choice. Only one teacher knows what your reality is. If learning is the purpose of the curriculum, you must learn it of him. Paragraph 9, learning is joyful. If it leads you along your natural path and facilitates the development of what you have, your will is in your nature and therefore cannot go against it. It is not your will to be imprisoned because your will is free. That is why the ego is the denial of free will. The Holy Spirit's voice teaches only God's will. But that is not the Holy Spirit's lesson because that is what you are. The lesson is that your will and God's cannot be out of accord because they are one. This is the undoing of everything the ego tries to teach. Thus, both the direction of the curriculum must be unconflicted, but also the content. In paragraph 11, the Holy Spirit leads you steadily along the path of freedom, teaching you how to disregard or look beyond everything that would hold you back. In paragraph 13, you cannot make this distinction between imprisonment and freedom yourself. In paragraph 13, when you have learned that your will is God's, you could no more will to be without him than he could be than he could will to be without you. This is freedom and this is joy. Deny yourself this and you are denying God his kingdom because he created you for this. You are the will of God because this is how you were created. Because your creator creates only like himself, you are like him. You are part of him who is all power and glory and are therefore as unlimited as he is. And finally, in paragraph 15, the Holy Spirit's appeal for the restoration of the kingdom is merely to what the kingdom is and for its own acknowledgement of what it is. When you acknowledge this, you bring the acknowledgement automatically to everyone because you have acknowledged everyone. By your recognition, you awaken theirs and through theirs, and through theirs, yours is extended. Awakening thus runs easily and gladly through the kingdom in answer to the call of God. This is the natural response of every son of God to the voice of his creator because it is the voice for his creations and for his own extensions. Amen. And we're only just a teeny tad past the top of the hour where we can stop and pause reflecting on our lesson 88 today. And Fran, thank you for uh, leading us again this morning. Thank you. Thanks for that review. That was great. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, and we're on the second review. And we are on Lesson 88 today. So I shall read um, up a little bit from the introduction to the review. 
You are dedicated to salvation. Be determined each day not to leave your function unfulfilled. Reaffirm your determination in the shorter practice periods as well, using the original form of the idea for general application and a more specific form when needed. Some specific forms will be included in the comments. These, however, are merely suggestions. It is not the particular words you use that matter. We'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 88, the review of Lesson 75, The Light Has Come. By choosing salvation rather than attack, I merely choose to recognize what is already here. Salvation is a decision made already. I can but choose the light, for it has no alternative. It has replaced the darkness and the dark is gone. These would prove useful forms for specific applications of these ideas. This cannot show me darkness, for the light has come. The light in you is all that I would see. Name. I would see in this only what is there. Lesson 76. Review of Lesson 76. I am under no laws but God's. Here is the perfect statement of my freedom. I am under no laws but God's. I am perfectly free of the effects of all laws save God's. And his are the laws of freedom. For specific forms in applying this idea, these would be useful. My perception of this shows me I believe in laws which do not exist. I see only the laws of God at work in this. Let me allow God's laws to work in this and not my own. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. The light has come. I am under no laws but God's. I can but choose the light, for it has no alternative. It has replaced the darkness, and the dark is gone. Lesson 75, the light has come. Lesson 76, I am under no laws but God's. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Amen. Thank you, friends. Thank you.
Thank you, guys. Leaving the light 
was the first attack. He says that salvation is a decision made already. Attack and grievances are not there to choose. So I'm always choosing between truth and illusion, between what is there and what is not. That's the only thing that is happening. When I choose sickness, attack, death, conflict, I'm choosing what is not there. That's not the light. That's darkness. But I can resolve any conflict I have by remembering the light has come. And I can only choose the light. That's the tough part for me, is choosing only the light in every circumstance and recognizing that there's no alternative to the light and that the light has replaced darkness and the darkness is gone. It is gone. That's where the work is. When I choose the light, the darkness was never there. So I can't drag the past into the present moment. I can't drag fear of the future into the present moment. And if there's a thought of fear in the present moment, I must replace it with the light. Because everything else is darkness. The light has come. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, Harrison, that was just so beautiful. I have come to it. Uh, so perfect. Thank you. Uh, that was great. Thank you so much, Harrison. Hi, good morning, guys. It's Jude. I have, um, you know, just in in contemplating and carrying you with me after the call yesterday and talking about this being an undoing process. And, um, Lori, I love the simplicity of the St. John of the Cross that you brought with us for us this morning. Um, you know that 
it's it's a it's a moment to moment um, constant contact with the awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence within me because it's you know either he's leading the way and I'm following or he's coming up behind me and clearing up my mess <laughs> it's easier for me to stand in in quietly in a state of peace and I so value this this reading the journey the way back and the acknowledgement in the reading that that peace is a condition for knowledge because it is the condition of the kingdom and that I that's my ground zero I can't remember God I can't remember myself I can't remember the truth I can't remember who's my teacher. I can't remember anything if I'm in a state of conflict or agitation or disturbance or anger, irritation, any of those, you know, get jazzed up kind of states. But the um, the light has come, and I love the um, the the making light a synonym for understanding because. In using the means, the Holy Spirit, to correct or undo my my egoic misery maker, every time I would get disturbed, he would undo it and show me more light and more understanding. Until I came, I came, I came, I came <laughs> again and again and again to realize there was no darkness anywhere. And that's when I understood that the world held no guilt or no sin unless I wanted to see it there. And I started to begin to understand, to see, because the light has come, the true innocence of the, of the Spirit. See, being able to see the Spirit, the light in, 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 within people that was the the spark, the holy spark, um, you know, that overlooks and seeing that and overlooking, overlooking, totally overlooking, being an innocent bystander and totally overlooking and just poo-pooing, you know, what people were saying or doing if, you know, it appeared to be other than um, how God would have, have us think or say or talk or be, you know, kind and compassionate and loving. So, you know, there's a lot of silliness going on, and there's a lot of insanity going on out and out. But um, the be the being naturally um, still and quiet, and being able to see in the light, and to know that if I don't make an image of myself, I won't have an image to perceive through and judge other images by. Because I'm not seeing myself as a body, I won't see others as a body. And then there is no other. There is only the oneness, the holiness, the one-mindedness, and the whole wholeness and completion of us in our um, togetherness, in our unity, in that state of grace. And that becomes a real easy and natural way of being in, in myself and... Um, doesn't take much effort whatsoever, but it's staying out of the the ego thinking, the judgmental thinking, 
to making finding differences, evaluations, and having judgments, and you know, thinking I know that I know. <laughs> it's not for you to decide what reality is. It's God's. It's God's reality to be revealed to me, and um, when I I wait and and I'm ready for it with an open mind and heart. He never ceases to surprise me with his wonders and delight. So so grateful for you, Lorraine Lemoyne, and everyone, Fran, everyone that comes every day to join us, to join with me, join us together. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Judy. That was very sweet. Yeah, thank you, Judy. That was very sweet. I wonder if anyone has joined us since we started reading this section that would like to say good morning. Good morning, this is Ida. Great to be here with you. Good morning, Ida. Glad you're here. Good morning, it's Pat. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Patricia, listening. Thank you. Oh, good morning, Patricia. Glad you're here. Well, welcome everyone. This is the um, the time where we uh, share our reflections on the lesson and on the reading for the day. And so um, all voices are welcome to share in this dialogue. We sure appreciate your being here. I just um, remembered a dream. At the beginning of the call, I remember this dream. Well, actually, this morning, doing the morning lesson, because it speaks of the darkness, and I don't, it was a long time ago, but I remembered it so well when I woke up, and it had ceased to leave my mind. This dream of, I had moved to Maine, and I had a, a dream that I was walking um, down a street in Denver, and it was very dark and late at night, and I was the only one on the street, and it started to rain. So it made it appear even darker with the clouds and and the um the darkness of the night and um and then I went in into a into a house of a friend and there was light and um but it wasn't it wasn't about the going into the light at all it was about being alone in the dark that stuck with me and as a as a metaphor 
for um, what I heard here, and you say, coming to the light, recognizing that it's coming back to God, that God never left me, but I was in a place of darkness at that point. And um, the, the recognition that I can't see anything truly, I can't see myself truly, and that's what the, the text speaks of, that the ego alone does not know who I am, that I can only know myself by knowing the sonship and by knowing my Father through the Holy Spirit. I have to know the Trinity as one to know myself in truth. And the beauty of that is that it's available everywhere all the time if I'm open to it and I invite it and I welcome and I welcome it, um, that God is in my brothers and sisters to see, in all of his creation to see, that God's voice is in my heart, and Christ's vision is, is in my mind, and that it's all available already um, and always with me. It goes with me wherever I go. And the beauty of that, and, and that's the totality of my reality, and would I limit it to being a separate little self that really, if I do, I'm just in search of myself again, that that is what I long for, that state of calm, certainty, of grace, of being all is well, and, you know, everything's working out just for everyone's good, and I know it, and I'm, all, I'm okay, so everything else is okay. <laughs> it really, it really is a a wonderful way to to have and be myself in the world and know I'm not of the world, that I'm not a victim of the world, I'm not a victim of the body. That that's where my freedom lies. So the um, ego never knows the the spirit, and it hides it. It puts a bushel over the light of it, the incredible lightness of being it, it with a capital I, all of it, and um, who just got got a, a, a nice vibration going this morning, <laughs> full of joy. Oh, God bless you all. I love you. I'm complete. Oh, that was very nicely said, Judy. Loved what you said about integration, my my own reality. Thank you.
Well, maybe in this quiet period, I'll share a few impressions that came to me this morning. Um, this is Lori, and um, very often um, when I do my morning meditation or um, consider the reading together with the lesson, um, I'll get a series of impressions, and some days all I get is a word uh, along with a series of impressions that light up the word. Well, today the word was integrate. And um, it's used somewhere in this in this reading. I guess I didn't mark down exactly where. Oh, in paragraph six. In paragraph six, where he says, first change that's needed in this curriculum is a direction. And by realizing that I can only choose one teacher, I must only choose one teacher. I've made a decision. I've made a decision to um, allow my mind to be integrated or heal this split in my mind. Mm-hmm. I love how you said, Harrison, where my relationship to my Creator is revealed to me in light. As the atonement always always waiting on God's altar in my heart for my acceptance. So the light is not brought to me. I return to the light that was always there by virtue of choosing one teacher. Integrates. So anyway... The word for the day being integration, I thought of another place in the text where he talks about this integration in that somewhat mysterious uh, paragraph 10 in chapter 7. He says, to heal then is to correct perception in your brother and yourself by sharing the Holy Spirit with him. This places you both in the kingdom and restores its wholeness to your mind. This parallels creation because it unifies by increasing and integrates by extending. Unifies by increasing and integrates by extending. That phrase alone, that phrase alone uh, sounds so mysterious, but it is uh, to me an invitation an invitation unifies by increasing and integrates by extending is an, is an invitation to all that can be revealed to me if I choose one teacher who knows the direction of the curriculum and also knows its content or the fact that I will be led toward entirely different experiences of myself and life and creation and God by choosing one teacher. <laughs> I love the way this section opened. I mean, I just love it. Um, where he says in paragraph one, to demand to know what you do not know 
is a way of holding on to deprivation. This invitation to unification and integration, something that seems so beyond me, um, a wide open doorway to the kingdom of heaven, as an invitation. The ego will take that and say, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but, I want to I know exactly what that's about before I commit to one direction or another. That's a way of holding on to deprivation. Um, that operationalizes itself in my life when I keep one, one finger on my way of seeing things my way of understanding things, my way of, of interpreting or responding to other people. When I keep one finger on my way of doing it, what I'm really doing is holding off my own awakening. That's, um, I think that's kind of key um, to recognizing the invitation and what it's asking of me. One teacher, he says, who knows what you are and where you're going. Um, and to accept that one teacher is also to relinquish the other entirely. Ego would say, well, you know, to claim you don't know something <laughs> goes against your will. But to claim I don't know something is actually the doorway to my freedom. The ego has made a very small world for me, a very small mind for me, a very constrained uh, life behind its own rules and regulations and all of the constraints it exercises on my mind in order to uh, exert uh, control of fear. How happy has that made me? Well, <laughs> it didn't make me very happy and I know uh, no one else is here because they were happy uh, before the Course of Miracles. But the acknowledgement of that, you know, um, the acknowledge, he says it in paragraph 7, the senselessness of listening to two teachers must be fully recognized. Must be fully recognized. And, um, well, let me put it this way. When I looked at the word integrate this morning and considered what he talked about when he says this places you both within the kingdom restoring wholeness to your minds paralleling creation because it unifies by increasing and integrates by extending when I considered um, what he's offering here uh, one teacher who knows where I'm going with a different outcome in mind for me um, all around the word integration it, struck me as so very simple he's talking uh, for anyone who's ever been exposed to any of the um, quote unquote anonymous programs you know 
um, that the first step is I admitted I was powerless over blank and my life had become unmanageable. It's, that's all he's saying here. I admitted I was powerless over my ego addiction and as a consequence of it, my life has become unmanageable. And the second step is came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. That's unifying and that's integration. Unifying by increasing and integrated, integrating by extending. And when I fully realized that listening to two teachers is utterly senseless, that all I'll experience as a consequence of that is fluctuation, variations in my experience that can't lead to anything even remotely resembling understanding, it becomes very easy to um, take that first and second step as powerless over my ego and came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And now, <laughs> even bigger than sanity, when he gets into the rationale for choice in that third section, he wants me to know that um, this ego will that I thought I was exercising um, actually was not my will at all, that I am the will of God. Lesson 74, there is no will but God's. He said, if you believe this fully, you would never have a conflict again. You would understand everything. Because everything in that former life was a consequence of thinking I had two wills. One, the laws of the ego formed a prison for my mind. A prison that kept me outside the peace outside the will, outside the knowledge, outside the outcome, outside the light. <laughs> not integrated and not whole. But in point of fact, he wants me to know this is natural. Making this choice is the most natural choice I can make when I see what, what the ego made of me. <laughs> um, I can't learn that I'm the will of God uh, without my teacher, without my master, without, without the one who tells me what I am and what my will is, what I truly want. I want to unify. I want to integrate. I want to understand my relationship to God and creation. Without that one teacher without recognizing the senselessness of listening to two without realizing that I can be restored to sanity and that's my true will um, I won't make the journey back so this is our introduction to the journey back and I'll just quit now since my dog has something to say I'm complete Thank you so much, Lori. Oh, 
Lori, that was beautiful. And, you know, I just, I so love the 12-step process for me. It was really um, my introduction to what knowing and understanding in the light what God's will for me truly is to be happy, joyous, and free. Um, and the um, in paragraph 6, the one, the one word that jumped out at me um, was that word interferes, um, that the ego interferes with my learning. And I have to let go of all of my past learning, all of what I think I know. And that, um, that letting go, letting go, um, I, I, I learned in the 12 steps to let go of a selfish, self-centered will and um, letting, letting the illusion of letting go, that, that that really the ego will, the separate, selfish, self-centered will was, was really the root of my suffering and made me unhappy. And I started to um, call the ego the baloney grinder, you know, the misery maker. <laughs> and the difference between learning from the Holy Spirit is that it's always a lesson in joy and in freedom, which the text speaks so clearly of today. But letting go of the past, and um, I was thinking of the chapter um, on empathy, because I always, you know, being a nurse and, and genuinely empathetic, I thought I was genuinely empathetic, and I was in the worldly sense of um, identifying with people's suffering, but um, coming to um, um, the light, the light coming to me, um, learning to understand that there, there is a way um, to follow the Christ and the way of the Holy Spirit, um, to, see, to see that there is a, a transcendental way of being, a spiritual way of being, that um, overcomes all the suffering in the world. No matter what's happening, you can still transcend it. And, it. and it's the power of the perfect love, accepting the power of perfect love within that um, heals everyone equally um, and in all situations and circumstances. But that word interfere, um, coming from the, the chapter on empathy, true empathy, that the Holy Spirit is with me, and I've invited him, and he is, my helper is with me, and I will not interfere. And <laughs> that's in that prayer, in that chapter, and I've used it so often in, in times of wanting, wanting to be helpful and relieve other people's suffering but knowing that it was not of me to do that. And, um, Lori, you're speaking of the integration of extend, and by extending the, um, the awareness of the oneness of our totality, that the Christ mind is in everyone, the Holy Spirit is in everyone, and that if I see truly through the light that that, that is what heals and that is what true empathy is that um, I bring the Holy Spirit with me and I will not let what I think I know um, interfere with what he would have me 
say or what he would have me do. And um, he will teach me how to heal so that I may be healed. And how that all works together is so beautiful. (laughs) Thank you for reminding me of that. I am complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Um, Reminds me, my brother is in the 12 step program. Um, Thank God he's reached 15 years uh, this year. Um, But uh, there are a few words he gives to me when I need the most. Selfish and self-centered, and uh, I'm uh, powerless over people, places, and things. Um, And it reminds me that the only real power is in my mind, my thoughts. And I have total and complete control of that, no matter what seems to happen outside of me, uh, what my eyes show me, my ears relate to me, whatever, uh, everything outside of me, I decide what it is. I decide how to react to it, or if I want to react to it. Uh, it can be meaningless to me in my mind if I so choose. And if I choose that only love is meaningful, only love is happening, then I will see only love. I'm complete. Well, there's that wide open doorway. Thank you, Harrison. to go into free fall, you know, how you, how you just let go and fall and you trust that somebody is going to catch you, it feels like that because the ego is really um, vigilant to control everything to keep me safe. And so I'm sitting here and um, I made a decision a few days ago not to do something that I've been doing because it doesn't make me feel good and I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. I'm doing it because I think it's good for me and because it should be good for me, but it doesn't make me feel good, but I'm playing it safe and doing it anyway, even though it costs me a lot of money and it's inconvenient. Sometimes it's painful. 
anyway, so I made this decision not to do it. And now my ego is saying something bad is going to happen to me. Something bad is going to happen. You know, it's almost like um, trying to be passive and go through life being passive because if you do anything that you take an actual decision about, it could be the wrong decision and something bad will happen. You know, and um, the opposite of that, of course, is trusting that mm, if it's the wrong decision, maybe I'll figure it out and change my mind or, you know, just placing it in the hands of God and just really trying to do my best, you know, that Thomas Merton prayer. I do not see the road ahead of me and I cannot know for certain where I lead or where it will end, but the fact that I think I'm following your will um, does in fact please you and I pray that I can have that intention to everything I'm doing, even if I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> um, anyway, it's like, so the ego is projecting itself into this story, right? And then there's this other situation in my life where, you know, I, I feel like I, I waste time watching television and it's like my it's like my drug of choice. It's the only drug I have left, you know, to make me feel safe, to make me feel like uh, peaceful. And I know the Holy Spirit would rather that I meditate or rather that I do something, but my ego is really holding on to that one. And that one gives me a lot of guilt, but I push that one way out of my mind because, because I just don't feel like I'm safe enough to let go of it. But if, and if that's an ego thing, and I'm very aware that that's my ego mind trying to defend against fear, defending against the fear. And the other thing is the ego mind protecting itself also about fear, two fear themes right there. You know, choosing one teacher is another one, which, else, which you know, this morning I couldn't get the live stream to do the India thing that I do every day. And it was so clear in my mind that the Holy Spirit was saying, you know, that's form. You know, because you're watching the live stream of the actual program in India doesn't mean that you're any more or less connected to God or to a guru than with your eyes closed with no no form happening. You know, the oneness is the spirit. Um, there's this image of, a radio, electric radio with a cord sitting at the bottom of this high tension wire. And you can be right there next to the high tension wire, but if you're not plugged in, doesn't matter. You can't get the transmission. Likewise, if I have the TV on and I'm, it's just a, a symbol of something. It's not being connected to the divine. You know, it's form. Anyway, the ego mind has all of these things going on. And the Holy Spirit is like, drop everything. Just drop everything and let go and trust and free fall into the present moment, into the trust that your natural state is a state of grace and that you're still, as God created you, there's nothing you need to do 
Um, I am under no laws but God's. I don't have to chant a million mantras. I don't have to give up television to be a divine child of God. I don't have to um, figure anything out. I don't have to uh, make the right choices. I mean, if I choose God, everything will be in that. It's like, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all else shall be added. Just make it that simple, and only that. Um, prerequisite for knowledge is peace. Just be at peace. Be still and know that I am God. Rest in God. I need do nothing. You know, the basic simple things that the Course keeps telling us. The light has come. The light has come. It's only that ego noise that's blocking it. And it still keeps coming up in all forms to try and block me. You know, to try to distract me and turn my mind away from... Um, my one intention, you know, the one curriculum. Thank you for letting me share on complete. Thank you for sharing. Oh, that was great. That was great. Yes, it was. Thanks, Karen. I love where you went with that. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I have also experienced is this fear of making mistakes and and it's and what I'm learning by doing this this program, this curriculum with my with God and with all of you, is that I gotta be willing to make mistakes that I'm safe. That because I'm not under the laws of this land. I'm under God's laws and God's laws God's laws only. And I, I just it, it was so sweet where you went, I need to do nothing, which is so true. <clears throat> the thing that I do need to do is know that just the way I am, exactly, right here, right now, I am loved, loving, and lovable. I don't have to do a thing. I don't have to be perfect. I can make mistakes, and I'm still under no laws but God's. I'm still safe and loved, loving, and lovable. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, perfect. Thank, thank you. you. Thank that was right on for me. Yes, it was. And, and I, um, I loved what you said about making mistakes. Uh, how else... How else do I learn to evaluate them on the basis of their outcome to me? You know, um, Sandra, both you and Karen are reminding me how important it is to realize this is a stepwise journey. It's not a leap. Um, and the worth of it is in the stepwiseness of it, the making of mistakes, evaluating the outcome of the mistake, realizing that once I know it's a mistake, not a sin or a permanent error, I learn from it and don't make that same mistake again on this stepwise journey. Um, and, and the other thing I wanted to say is, is that, um, for example, probably the biggest one for me was Lesson 74, There Is No Will But God's. When you realize this, you realize the ego is a fiction. 
and without it um, of course there's no will but God's because you are the will of God that didn't, that didn't come to me um, because I said it so or because I applied it as an affirmation it came by making mistakes and evaluating the lessons all things are lessons God would have me learn I can't do that without risking a, mis- a mistake and seeing if I lose peace as a consequence and that's the nature of the journey it's a stepwise journey if Jessica were here she would talk about the, the uh, spiral nature of the journey back uh, that I hear her talk about so many times uh, pass through it this time I learn a little bit more pass through it again I learn a little bit more pass through it again and again and again in a spiral sort of journey um, I realize eventually that oh oh there is no will but God I didn't see that before and um, and to realize golly, that's just so important uh, to realize it's a stepwise journey always now always now always now and um, what can this moment teach me about the nature of life and truth and God and love so anyway oh uh, thank you Karen and Sandra both for your emphasis in that fashion I'm complete and thank you Laurie thank you for emphasizing with Sandra that mistakes are part of the process mm-hmm no dire consequences <laughs> that is not a thing yeah. you said that's a really good one for me thank you yeah I can't be hurt yeah. and there's the there's the big pardon I think there is where it becomes a little difficult for us is that we we um respond to outside judgments mm. of ourselves and uh, when we uh, make mistakes uh, according to the world sometimes there are consequences to those mistakes uh, visited upon us by others and more importantly um, our own judgments of ourselves instead of um, allowing God's judgment of us to be the only judgment that matters uh, you are my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. Don't care what you thought you did. That has no importance whatsoever. Forget about it. Okay? Yeah, there are consequences in the world because the world is a consequence of wrong thinking. Uh, but that that has nothing to do with 
the who you are as God created you. Um, you, you know, I, I'm not advocating that people violate laws or anything or hurt other people. But the fact is that that's all part of an illusion that is not true, that does not exist in the eyes of God. And uh, I think that's where the line is, that we have to choose so, which reality is my reality? Is it the world form or is it God's world? God's world is world in which we were created and still reside. The world of form and laws and physical body is a world that we thought of when we accepted the tiny man's idea. And it's up to us to choose which world we reside in. And that will dictate our experience. I'm complete. Thanks, Harry. Thank you, Harrison. Oh, that was just so good. This is Sandra. The challenge for me is that when I make a mistake, I frequently go into victim again, which is just a pattern that that I took on. Um, again, I created that pattern because I, through my feelings, through the way that I felt as a child, I felt like a victim. And then I started to tell lies about, uh, tell lies to myself that somehow I was unworthy, not good enough, a reject. <laughs> a mistake, <laughs> that I was the mistake instead of that I just made a mistake. And so that's where the deep work ha- comes, is that, you know, first it has to be okay for me to make the mistake, and then if I do make a mistake, I can't take my even my mistakes personally. I just have to know that it's part of the process, it's part of the learning process, and that God loves me no matter what. It's the people that, you know, if they see I make a mistake, they, they, they just, they, they want to rub my nose in it. It's just, and so it makes it even worse. So um, it's challenging, but it's, for me, it is the work. It's the depth of the work to, to go in, you know, know that I don't have to be perfect, and then heal all that garbage that says that I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm a victim, all that stuff, it's all got to be healed. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. 
Thank you, Sandra. This is Yogi Chris, listening in light. Thank you. Good morning, Chris. Well, uh, I didn't know it until just this minute, but um, I think um, I think I've been given just a wonderful place to end this recording. No, it's call. But in light of the fact that this is a journey, an unlimited journey, it seems right to end here. This course is a beginning, not an end. Your friend goes with you. You are not alone. No one who calls on him can call in vain. Whatever troubles you, be certain that he has the answer and will gladly give it to you. If you simply turn to him and ask it of him, he will not withhold all answers that you need for anything that seems to trouble you. He knows the way to solve all problems and resolve all doubts. His certainty, his certainty is yours. You need but ask it of him and he will, and it will be given you. You are as certain of arriving home as is the pathway of the sun laid down before it rises, after it set, and in the half-lit hours in between. Indeed, your pathway is more certain still, for it cannot be possible to change the course of those whom God has called to him. Therefore, obey your will, and follow him whom you accepted as your voice to speak of you what you really want and really need. His is the voice for God and also yours, and thus he speaks of freedom and of truth. So perfect. Thank you, everyone, and thank you, everyone who, who read and shared this morning, who even dials in to listen with us as we seek the one mind. Um, thank you. The call ends at this point in terms of the recording, but we all stay on the line routinely to continue to share. So please stay with us if you're joining us for the first time today. And the call will continue while this recording.